All right, welcome to Behind the DM Screen. It is whatever month this is, December 2017. December. December 2017, we are three DMs talking about our games, and that's all the intro I'm going to get because I know that uh, Mike has to get moving here pretty quick in a little less than an hour, so we're going to try to I'm make terribly it... terribly busy. We're going to try to make this uh, make this tight and quick and, and do our thing and ha- have fun doing it. So, first up, uh, Sam... You just, got right. on, you just got on the call 30 seconds ago. You're up. <laughs> All right, here I go. Uh, well, uh, my campaign ended. Oh, that um, was quick. Yeah, unexpectedly uh, early. So what happened was uh, the, uh, the group, um, I believe the last time that we talked, I uh, talked about how they went to the, the Dwarven Stronghold and um, – got a bunch of equipment and they were going to go into the uh, lower hold and uh, they were gonna try to um, find their way to uh, the spire which is Sarun Kel which is actually from fourth the fourth edition setting the Ninter Vale which mm. that you know that's uh, where the seven pillared hall was in Thunderspire labyrinth uh, or in Thunderspire Mountain. And uh, it, in my setting, that's actually a place that's been long abandoned, and there's no, you know, real like seven pillared hall as a city and all that stuff. Anyway, so the party is going. Uh, they, no, they none tell... of that is a reference that I understand, but go ahead. Well, for those, for those, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the, the seven pillared hall. And... Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I do. I, my whole campaign was in there. Yeah. So Thunderspire Labyrinth was the second. Uh, adventure released for fourth edition. It was H two. It was right after Keep on the Shadowfell, and and one of the locations in there was in Thunderspire Mountain, which is uh, a little bit north and east of Fallcrest, the main city there uh, in the Nintir Vale. And inside of that was this ancient uh, city of Minotaurs, which is now unpopulated by Minotaurs, and it's called Serun Kel. But what's there in its place is a place called the Seven Pillared Hall, which is this great trading place, and there's all kinds of different creatures that go in there. So that's what happens in 4th edition. That's not really what's going on in my setting, but I used the same, almost same kind of setup, where Sarun Kel is this ancient city that no one really knows about. They know that minotaurs used to live there, and there's something going. there was something that happened that uh, disbanded the minotaurs. The, the, the minotaurs started uh, fighting... Uh, with within their own population, there was a civil war amongst the different factions of the Minotaurs, and uh, it basically decimated all of them. So Minotaurs are unheard of in my setting, mm-hmm. other than as ancient lore. Um, but something is happening, and so the party was trying to find their way to the ancient city Sarun Kel, which is nicknamed the Spire in my setting. So they were they went to this dwarven stronghold, which is supposedly ha- has tunnels from the dwarven stronghold to Sarun Kel, and they uh, spoke to the the dwarven lord there at that hold, and and had some really great role playing, uh, and did a whole bunch of really great stuff in terms of character development and talking about backstory and all these really cool things, and then they uh, sweet talked the one of the people in town to tell them who they should talk to about how to get to the seven pillared hall and Sarun Kel and all these other places. And they ended up with a guide that would take them. And it was this guy, this guide is a dwarven female and it's her great, great grandfather or in her family line. 
because in my setting, dwarves sort of they they don't have family units. There, it's all within the hold, and they're in clans. But all of the adults in a given clan raise all of the children. So anyway, but but it's in her family line, and so uh, her um, her great great grandfather was the was the last person to have actually stepped foot in the seven pillared hall that anyone knows about. And he had written down some notes and all that. And those notes have been being studied by the Dwarven lore masters for ages. Um, but she knows just from things being passed down within her own clan, lots of different things. So she agrees to be their guide. And she takes them. And so we spent half the session doing all that. And then they started on their way. And they got to this uh, part where... They are um, they're they're kind of going into the upper part of the underdark, so they're in the shallows, as it used to be called. Um, but they're not they're not really. I'm not going to take them into the underdark. They don't need to really go to the underdark until they get to the seven pillar hall, and then they can decide what to do. Mm. But when they hit the shallows, they start noticing uh, these weird things that are happening, of course, because it's the underdark. Um, and they end up finding a secret door. And they go to investigate the secret door, and the group gets separated, uh, of course, right? <laughs> um, because the thief is curious, and he th see, thinks he sees something, you know, glinting uh, in the torchlight, and that thing is probably worth money, so he wants to go get it, and the group gets separated. Uh, they eventually get back together, though, so that, that's, that's sort of – some cool stuff happened there. But anyway, they get back together, and they start uh, – they find this old sort of abandoned little fort – uh, along the road and this isn't uh noted on any of the maps or ancient stories that uh the the guides great great grandfather left and so she doesn't know anything about what's going on so they decide to explore this fort and when they go in there they find a uh they open a door and there's a room there and it looks like there's some like petrified pieces of wood on the ground uh and so um the th and but the ground is dirt in this place instead of like uh flagstone or or shale or rock and the rest of the place where they are is is made of rock so the um the thief who is an arcane trickster uh uses mage hand to try to pick up one of these what look like petrified logs and he can't pick it up so he gets scared so he shuts the door so they keep uh exploring and a couple of rooms later they open another door and it looks like from their from their mapping and from their memory it looks like this might be the other end of the room that he had couldn't pick up the petrified log in uh so of course what does he do he walks right in to go uh, look at what's going on and they get attacked by a roper um but they don't really know what it is and they don't know how to deal with it so uh it was an extremely tense intense fun horrible battle <laughs> <laughs> uh and they had um they had two they had the the dwarven guide with them and they had uh this aracokra that they had rescued um who they named foghorn leghorn uh that i talked about last time uh -huh. and he was with them and then the and then the three party members and uh there are only two surviving individuals the the dwarven uh guide and the actual dwarven paladin who is part of the party everyone else got eaten by the roper um and so the i let the group decide what they wanted to do and they decided that uh he couldn't possibly he couldn't give up the quest but he he couldn't go to the he couldn't go to the city on his own because him and and the guide who he's now taken a, an extreme liking to of course 
um, he can't bear to uh, he they can't go because he's afraid they're going to get killed and he doesn't want to give up his quest so easily so uh, they're going to travel back to the dwarven the main dwarven hold and uh, try to recruit some people uh, and try to convince some people that uh, some attention needs to be paid to their part of the quest. Because remember, the other thing that's happening in the greater world is there's this entire goblin invasion that's happening uh, that mm. the dwarves are sending some troops to go help the other peoples of the land you know, defeat this, this huge goblin horde. So he's going to have to go back and convince some you know dwarves or some other peoples that that his part of the quest is important because it has to do with his backstory uh and so basically they decided to table the quest table the quest table this campaign at this moment uh and pick it up later but i don't know that it's going to ever actually be picked up later it might just be left hanging um so that that was the the truncated end of my of my campaign so did the campaign i mean it sounds like maybe the storyline ended. Is the campaign over? Or the the players are still meeting. You're still you're still running. They're still doing things. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Us. No. So, uh, well, so the the um, the well, it depends on your definition of campaign, right? Uh, okay. This particular quest has has ended for for right now. Right. Um, and if it begins again, it will probably have different characters, except with you know, with the exception of maybe the dwarven character who who has some key information that will need to be used uh to finish the adventure right. um but uh so uh, basically they want to take a break from D D. so we're running we're playing call of cthulhu for a couple of sessions okay, sure um because one of the other players wants to run some call of cthulhu and so that's what we've that's what we're doing that's what we did a, last week we played call of cthulhu and then next week we'll play call of cthulhu and then in january we're going to get together and decide what we want to do um, unfortunately, two of my players might actually move. Hmm. Uh, they're in the process. He's in the process of looking for another job. So he, they might end up moving so far away that I can't game with them anymore, which sure. is a very sad occurrence. Um, and that means that – so I was going to start – so <laughs> I have got like three campaigns that I'm halfway through planning <laughs> and I was going to start. I, I was going to start Tomb of Annihilation because they liked the idea of Tomb, Tomb of Annihilation. Mm. Um, and I could actually relate it directly to the events that are happening in the first half of this campaign. And that would be real uh, fun for us to talk about because I got all kinds of questions about how that runs. Yeah, and so that would be really cool. Except it's a long. I, as I started reading it more and more and more, and everything, mm. I like that is going to be such a long campaign. Yeah, um, it could be. E yeah, even if I truncated it and tried to make it like eight or ten sessions, it's that's mm. really long because he's talking about you know they might be moving in june yeah no, and eight or ten sessions you know, even if that just feels like like skip straight to the dungeon and just do a dungeon crawl right and so know? and that's the thing right like i i would have to have it would have to be run in a very specific manner to even get get it in just eight or ten sessions right. i mean tomb of annihilation the the way i read it and the way all the possibilities and everything that could happen in it and and the way that it's laid out and the way I would structure it because I would do something a little tiny bit different with the death curse uh, and with timing yeah. and all that and and so I think um, that that's like a two-year campaign for me if I run every other week I mean oh, it really I 
yeah, I think it would be at least that for me. Minimum, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so, knowing that, I basically said to them, "Well, I don't really want to start another long campaign. That's part. That's part of the reason why we're we're taking a, like a one month break and playing Call of mm. Cthulhu instead, because they need to really sort of ruminate and think about what's going on, and they also need to figure out what's happening with their home situation. So, right. uh, you know, because I, I don't want to start another campaign just to be able, you know, just to have it not actually go anywhere because we can't because yeah. the, the the group ends well so. and, and doing a few weeks of of one shots uh of other games and stuff is actually you know that i mean that can be a lot of fun and it gives you a chance to sort of it's a palate cleanser it gives you a chance to sort of uh explore some different things and develop your your role playing in other ways and your storytelling in other ways like i'm all oh, about yeah. i'm all about that that's a great idea anyway yeah 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 oh yeah no i totally agree and you know we also we've had a couple of board games uh in there mm. um you know, so that my wife can sort of have the fun of having, you know, gaming friends and whatnot. Because she doesn't play RPGs, but she, right. she'll play board games. And so, uh, you know, we've had a couple of board game nights. So, you know, we're, we're having fun together still. You know, it's not uh, – and, and the game, you know – it's really funny because I thought, oh, I drove home that after the after the sort of near TPK session that that basically into the campaign, and I, and I kind of said to them, you know, wow, I feel really bad, and you know, I'm not really sure what, you know, I I, I don't. Um, just willy nilly, you know. I mean, basically, the Roper ate the the characters. So, like, there's no piece of them that can be used to get them back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I felt kind of bad, and all the players were like, "No, that was a great session. We were on the edge of our seats, and there was so much tension." And it, w- the one player was like, "I was gritting my teeth, and my knuckles hurt at the end of the game because I didn't even know that I was like, it was he would. They were so into it, mm-hmm. so." Yeah. As as much as it's like a hard, you know, that's that's a hard thing to have to go through, but two of the players in this group, remember, are basically brand new, and they, and even even though they're brand new and it was tough to have it happen, they had such a good time, and good. so you know that says a lot about these people that I'm playing with. I mean, my group is awesome. Um, and they, and it was just, it was a great session, uh, but it, but it ended up basically ending the campaign. So that Mm -hmm. was kind of sad, but, um, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities and, and, you know, I think actually part of the reason why it's okay is since the, the two players are new, it's time for them to sort of explore other types of places yeah Yeah. and other games and because they really want to like you know uh the 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 one player she plays a druid and i think she was sort of um ready to try something else you know Mm -hmm. but staying in this campaign would have kept her as that druid for another you know eight or nine sessions and it's not that she didn't like the druid she really likes her character but uh you know, I think she's ready to sort of stretch out and do other things. And also, playing Call of Cthulhu, the interactions between PCs are so different. And uh, so I, I'm a player in the Call of Cthulhu campaign, and I'm playing this homeless guy. Uh, and and the other one of the other players is playing this sort of big game hunter kind of guy. And so he has all these rich clients, and he really he doesn't trust me and all this. And so we have this really great, interesting, rich role-playing interactions. And uh, the one of the other players said to us uh, after the last session, "Wow, you know, seeing you guys, because I'm 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 an experienced role player, and the guy playing the big game hunter is the only other person in the party who's who's experienced in role playing, and so we have this like just banter, and we're like you know in character talking to each other, and you know all that. And this other player was like, "Wow, you know, I." I sort of like I want to be able to do that. I want to practice that <laughs> mm-hmm. because I I feel like I wasn't doing that very much of that as when, in my 
other game in the D&D game where I was playing this other character. And uh, and so just real quick, I basically said to him, well, you were doing a lot of that. You just didn't realize it. Uh, but I'm glad if you if you want to still try to grow and move out of your comfort zone. And, you know, right. it's, it's a really good thing. So, yeah, that, that's one of those situations where it's like that could go either way. Like on one hand, that could go in the direction of um, modeling. You know, for mm-hmm. for somebody who's not as experienced to sort of see what can right. be done, uh, it could yep. also go the other way where it's like, oh, uh, I can't keep up with this crowd. I guess maybe I'm just not not as into it as they are. You know, right, so, you know. right, yeah. And he didn't. He went in the that first direction. He didn't go in the other direction. And so it probably, that was, that was it probably helps that he had an opportunity to play a little bit before before that right. happened. Right. So yeah. Yeah, because he's running the Call of Cthulhu game, so oh, awesome. he's also he's also stretching his wings with running a game because mm-hmm. he has not done that before. So, yeah, it's it's a it's some really good fun. Yeah, I'm sure you don't need it, but I've got a couple games I can suggest if you're looking at, at easy one shots. Um, uh, well, <laughs> Mike has to go early, so why don't we do our rounds and then at All the right. end we can talk about it if we there's time left. If we need to, yeah. Cool. I have a recommendation for ten easy one shots. Ten easy one shots, and pro- and there's probably a convenient I, oh, a convenient link fantastic. to slideflourish.com. Ten fantastic. I gotta say, I gotta say, my my fantastic adventures book arrived two days ago. Oh yeah, my, print, my, my print copy. Oh, do you like it? And oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's okay. really good. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's good. Are you gonna get the art book? I probably will. Yeah, I have the art book for Fantastic Locations too, so I'll yeah, probably the art, get the, the art book for Fantastic yeah. Adventures. I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't yeah. gotten the proof yet. But it should be very, very nice as well. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I, I'm, Thank you, Sam. Yeah, it's it's good. It really is. Speaking of things that are fantastic, you know what else is fantastic? All of our supporters over at Patreon.com/slash The Tome Show. Ha ha. <laughs> this is absolutely true. They it are, is man. true. Yeah, no, we have we have some really fantastic uh, supporters. Patreon recently uh, changed their like fee structure a little bit, and there's a, a large segment of the community that's not super happy about it. But uh, uh, and I'm hearing lots of people talking about all the patrons that they're losing and whatever. And and so far, I, I, we've only lost one. Um, yeah. over the whole thing. So that's good so far. Um, so we'll see how that goes. So I want to thank our patrons for being super supportive and being there for us and, and making this happen. Uh, especially I want to thank Keith Bryan, Stephen Robertson, Leonard Pelletier. If I, I'm, I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Jeremiah McCoy, Matt Bible, Doug Palmer, and Mark Richmond, as well as some new patrons, uh, Intelligrician? Intelligrician? I, I, I don't know. He's got a name. <laughs> it's clearly not a real name. It's a nickname. But, you know, uh, there you go. And, and uh, Abraham Nimoy. So thank you to all of you for supporting the show. You guys are the best. Uh, so next up, because I know Mike has to get going early, we're going to make him wait to the end. Oh, harsh. Uh, <laughs> nice. Good plan. I'm up next. Uh, so I think last time we chatted, I had done my, like, completely improv like pulled a bunch of, of character or monsters from the Tome of Beasts and said, hey, here's this you know Lovecraftian sort of cult story I can tell featuring one of the PC's dads as the cultist trying to rise in power and for his minor noble house and whatever. Uh, uh, that finished up like they they left off the that encounter i guess they you know the previous session the 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 cliffhanger was oh and there's your dad and he's the leader of the cultist all along he wasn't kidnapped uh was this shadows over in his mouth kind of 
Um, yeah, I can't not, remember if we talked about that. Not really. It's more of a so okay. there's, it's the big sort of metrop metropolitan city, and it's run by these nobles and whatever. And, okay. And gotcha. his family was like these minor nobles, and they were just sort of grasping and looking for opportunities. And the and the dad found uh, a star spawn of Cthulhu that he was uh, utilizing. You know, they were utilizing each other to help him. He, rise he found power. an opportunity. <laughs> he found an opportunity, and he yes, took he that did. took advantage of that. He made he made a, a whole cult out of other uh, minor nobles who wanted to advance uh, themselves uh, and then you know the party shows up and says oh no dad and so they basically they killed everybody including the star spawn of Cthulhu but captured dad didn't kill dad locked him up put him in chains dragged him back to town told him all what was going on um, the PC character was named uh, as the new head of the house uh, but then he then named his mother as like the retainer because she had been kind of running the house for a while anyway uh, and doing a better job than his dad had ever actually done anyway. Uh, so, so which works out really good, right? Because now I have all of the strings of having a character, a, a player character who has, um, you know, is the head of a household in a noble house in a major metropolitan area. And I can pull on that whenever I want to pull on that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't have any of the sort of the drudgery of, of making that character actually run the house, you know. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, from there, it was interesting to me, like they immediately decided, okay, so next thing we're going to do is we're going to go after the next piece of the Rod of Seven Parts. It's all the way over in the Middle East, and they're kind of like in Japan area. Um, so we're going to have to get all the way across there. And I say that's interesting because like prior to the, the cultist uh, storyline that we went into um, – they had three options, like go into the Underdark and deal with the Demon Lords, go to the Middle East and, and look for their, their odd piece, or go find out what's going on with, on with Dad. And they debated for like 45 minutes <laughs> before they finally decided to go and deal with Dad. Uh, and the and second option was going into the Underdark and dealing with the Demon Lords because it's a more pressing problem. Uh, this time along, it was like a five-minute decision. Hey, let's go to the Middle East and, and, and get that uh, that piece of the rod, like... I don't really want to go facing demon lords in the Underdark right now. That sounds hard. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what are we? What did you debate this for so long for last time? If it was just going to be, uh, eh, let's forget that and do go, do, go over here now. Fine. Um, that's a more interesting direction for things to go for me anyway. So that that, that works out okay. Um, I didn't want to like before. Like I don't want to deal with like the drudgery of of days and days and days of random encounters. And when you're going from Japan to the Middle East, like. That's halfway across the world, you know. Um, so that's a long travel into unknown lands and whatever. And I also didn't want to have to explain all the empty space and describe all that detail and whatever. Like, if there's something interesting to do in those places, great. Um, but I just didn't want to have to create all of that. Like, that's I'm not I'm not trying to world build for the sake of world building, right? I'm trying to world build for the sake of the story that we're telling. So until there's something there that I need for the story, I didn't really care. Um, so I completely stole an idea. I was listening to Dragon Talk, the official D&D podcast, uh, and they were doing a Lore You Should Know segment where they were talking about this sort of like ethereal underground railroad that like I think it was gnomes were using at one point in the Forgotten Realms and whatever. Uh, I, I may have even stolen the name, the Misty Way is what I ended up calling it. I, I think that may be what it was called in the realms as well and completely ripped off that idea. So like their contacts and their military organization were like, oh yeah, you want to get there and you want to get there relatively quickly. Um, you could talk to our allies and the gnomes. They supposedly have a way, right? You can make a deal with them. 
And so they set it up and they made a deal. Uh, and it basically, you enter the ethereal in one spot. You can travel a, a, a relatively long distance without as long a travel. You know, you might travel for a few hours and go hundreds of miles kind of thing. Um, and then you come out at the other end. But it's not a continual line. Like, you can't just go all the way down. It's like, you know, like the Underground Railroad, there, there's, you know, there's stations along the way where you have to get out of the ethereal at one spot, travel a little ways in the real world, and then re-enter the ethereal at another spot, and then continue on from there. Which was, again, like the... the the best of all worlds for me because then I can force them to make mandatory stops in places where I want to do some world building, where where I want to have some encounters. That's not just a let's just fast forward to the to the next thing and and introduce some more things and make the world a little bit bigger uh, without having to go through the slog of just traveling, um, you know, all the way across Asia. So so that went really well. Uh, the first stop along the route was and that and this took up probably half of the the session was uh, I'd already kind of introduced that in China-ish area um, the Empire of the Ghouls which I'd kind of ripped off from uh, Midgard from Cobalt Press um, having been using the Tome of Beasts a lot uh, around then I'm like oh so the Empire of the Ghouls that's that's totally a thing there's like this empire made up of, of you know uh, intelligent thinking civilized Romanesque sort of ghouls that live in the Underdark uh, and so one of the stops was you exit the Misty Way sort of on the edge of the cavern overlooking the great city of the Empire of the Ghouls. Um, and the the entrance to the other leg of the trip was in the middle of the palace in the Empire of the Ghouls. So you had to find a way to get into the city and get to the Emperor's Palace uh, and get access to, to this location, which turned out I decided to make it in the kind of at the last minute, I decided to make it a, a fountain in the middle of um, the courtyard of the palace. And I kind of expected it to be like an opportunity to show the like that there are shades of gray in the world. And, you know, just because it's a bunch of ghouls doesn't mean it's all just a massive evil empire trying to eat everything and whatever and everyone and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that they were civilized and they, you know, they're 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 wearing these these this fine armor and carrying this equipment and they've got architecture and, and culture and, and bureaucracy and all this kind of stuff, right? And so I thought they would like diplomatically work their way through and figure things out. Turn undead! Right. <laughs> well, not exactly, but <laughs> but it kind of like they went up to the gates, they, they explained their situation, claimed to be merchants, which they weren't. Um were were shown to basically a, a, a you know a bureaucrat's office where they could sort of fill out the proper paperwork to be be allowed to to wander the city and and what have you. Um, at which point they're like, you know what, I don't like the way this this bureaucrat's talking to me. Screw you! <laughs> right? And I'm like, really? You're you're in a city like there's what maybe hundreds of thousands of of ghouls at a at the minimum. You know, probably more. Like, you want to pick a fight in the middle of the city, surrounded. I am sure it will come to us in groups of six. Well, and and part of the thing is that, like, on one hand, like, that's dumb. There's no way you can win. On the other hand, like, mechanically, most of those ghouls are, like, CR one half, you know? So you probably can actually wipe out the city. Like, but I don't want to do that because that's completely unrealistic and would fall apart real fast. Uh, so eventually, uh, after they caused a bit of trouble, I had the emperor himself show up, and the emperor himself <laughs> is like a CR twenty. Yeah, cool. he's badass. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, uh, "No, 
sit down, shut up. You're you're doing you're doing what I say now. And they and I imprisoned them. And then I did this whole like you're stuck in a jail cell and they're questioning you all one at a time and you're kind of in solitary so you don't have any contact with each other. You don't have your equipment. Uh, you know, you have all these things going on. Um, and, and what's more, um, you can't teleport in and out of the, of the cells or anything, right? You're, you're, you're just stuck. You're screwed, right? And they're, and they're questioning one at a time and whatever. So eventually it turned into a jailbreak situation in, in the hardest of situations, right? You can't use your magic. You don't have your equipment, um, you know, all these things are going on. Eventually, some of them are starting to broker a deal. Some of them don't exactly know about the deal. Um, basically, the, the emperor is like, so the deal is basically the emperor's, hey, I will totally let you go and go along your way under certain conditions. And one of those conditions is you have to tell me about this whole misty way thing that you used to get into my city. You know, because then he can mobilize an army across the world wherever he wants to go, <laughs> you know? So, um, and, and so they were like, uh, we don't want to do that, and, but I guess it's that or we die. And so they kind of agreed to do it, and they were walking out to show him where it is. And then they pulled their escape attempt, like, at the last minute and just fled through the portal to the, to the Misty Way without ever explaining them the keys of how to get through. So the Empire of the Ghouls knows where the entrance is now, um, doesn't exactly know how it works. But, you know, someday down the line, they could very easily figure that out. Now I've got that in my pocket whenever I want it. Mm-hmm. So that was that kind of actually worked out decently as well, especially since I had to make most of it up on the fly. I didn't really have any idea other than uh, Empire of the Ghouls, and it's in the palace. Uh, you, now let's figure it out, right? Uh, so they came out the other side of the Misty Way, and I have them in India. And one of the things that, that I established early in the – before the campaign even started, I, I asked players to help create the world. And one of the things that I, I – uh, that one of the players came up with was um, – an ally that your kingdom, your your home is trying to, to form. Right? What ally is out there in the world that they're trying to, to set up an alliance with and um, could you know be a big deal or whatever? Uh, and one of the, the characters, the thing that, that they came up with was uh, an Empyrean uh, or a Titan, you mm-hmm. know, which are kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, right. And so, and, and they even gave it a name and whatever. And I'm like, okay, so this is the spot where I'm going to bring that character, that that idea in. Like it's been. 11 levels and I haven't done anything with this thing this is the spot I'm going to throw it in there and see if they if they pick up on that's where this came from and so the, the idea that I have for what's going on now that they're in sort of this India area is that um, there is a kingdom being run by a Rakshasa because that's an Indian um, concept to the Rakshasa uh, and so there's a Rakshasa running ruler, sort of ruling the area. Um, there is uh, I wanted to do something more with the Out of the Abyss stuff, so I decided this is the area of the Underdark where Orcus is hanging out with the Mind Flyers, uh, and so they're underneath this kingdom, and they're mm-hmm. like working their way up and waging war with the Rakshasa's people, uh, trying to you know get more fodder and bring in more more bodies to be raised into the army of Orcus. Uh, and then, and so, meanwhile, there was this Empyrean that was sort of protecting this little community nearby, uh, and and largely a community of gnomes. I decided to connect it to the to the history of the Misty Way. Uh, but the the Empyrean is missing, right? The, this this Titan has disappeared, and I've and I've decided the Titan is connected to the the Indian Hindu concept of Mahesh, which is um, sort of this trinity of of three. Hindu gods, um, the the creator, the destroyer, and the preserver. Um, those gods, what was it Vishnu and Brahman and 
another one that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so, so that's actually the three personalities, the three aspects of this Titan, this Empyrean who's been protecting them. But now the Rakshasa has has kidnapped and bound the Empyrean and is consuming it because Rakshasas are known as like man eaters, right? So he's consuming the Empyrean to gain power that he can use then to fight off Orcus. That's the scenario that I've built up in my head. Um, so now I need to figure out a couple of things. One, what, I need to come up with some ideas for some interesting sort of set piece encounters and monsters that I could use in this sort of Indian-themed location. And I also need to figure out where the next entrance to the Misty Way is. Because I've already done the like stick it in the middle of the palace thing at the last stop. I That would seem a little cliche and not super useful for un, an underground railroad to constantly having to go into you know enemy palaces. So... That's where I need advice. You have a minute and a half to give it to me. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I got nothing as far as Indian monsters. Yeah, so I asked the D&D 5th uh, edition group, and I got exactly two responses, yeah. and both of them are contributors to the Tome Show. So it's like, I could have just emailed yeah. them, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't know any Indian, you know, Indian lore. Obviously, there's a lot. Um, yeah, well, there's a ton, and there's a lot that, to work from there, like... I'm, like anytime you need to pitch a monster to to a, a monster book, maybe you're gonna pitch something to the new what was it, the Creature Codex from Cobalt Press that right. they're kickstarting. Like going to Indian mythology and Indian lore is a is a huge wellspring of interesting ideas that have been just completely untapped. Um, I mean, not completely untapped, but virtually untapped. Right. Sam, you got any ideas for like interesting set piece encounters and whatever? I mean, I've got some ideas on things that I could reskin, like purple worms and that kind of stuff. I'm just not entirely sure how to use them. No, I mean, I, I have the same problem Mike does. You know, I, I'm not really, I don't, I'm, I'm not really up probably as much as I should be on the sort of uh, Indian mythos kinds of things. Um, I'm not up on all the Indian mythology, and part of the reason I'm not is because it is so. It's there's a lot of it, and mm. it's so rich, and it's as you said, almost virtually untapped. But I don't know even know where to start, and I would have to really make an effort to do it to do it right because right. I wouldn't want to just do a bunch of appropriation crap. You know? Well, and and I'm not I'm not planning on spending more than somewhere between half a session to two sessions here. So so it's I'm not trying to be do a lot of appropriation, but a little bit of tokenism in a game system like this, in a game, on a larger campaign like this, doesn't feel necessarily inappropriate because I only have time for a handful of tokens and then we're moving on. Yeah. So it's And, and since it's so undone, uh, like it's barely touched or, or dealt with, like it, I don't think it would feel tokenist. To, to people because most people most nobody at my game is is i, I don't think particularly uh fluent in in hindu mythology mm-hmm. i'm certain yeah. that some that somewhere out there listening to this podcast right now we have um some listeners who are much more steeped and knowledgeable about uh hindu mythology and and um and lore and all that kind of stuff uh, and might have some ideas of uh, that you could share with me probably not before i start using it but maybe in time for me before i use use it for my second session in this location so if you got those ideas please do email me at the tome show at gmail.com um and i would love to hear some ideas of ways that i could take um and it's just it's not even like i would just want to use hindu mythology here but i want there to be like these touchstones these concepts um, that ring true to to actual Hindu mythology because we're talking post apocalyptic fantasy Earth like in the far distant future too. So right. so these concepts haven't exactly entirely survived, but I just want little hints of actual real mythology sort of sprinkled throughout. So 
So that's where I'm at. And my time is up. So and I know nice. Mike's on a Mike's on a on a schedule. So we'll keep moving. Uh, I do want to remind people before I move to Mike. Another way you can support the Tome Show uh, is heading over to Amazon or the DMs Guild through the links that we have at thetomeshow.com. You click on the link to Amazon, you get the exact same Amazon, but it throws a little cookie in your browser, and so it recognizes that you came from us. And all of your shopping supports the Tome Show. Uh, same thing with DMs Guild. Uh, so you can support us with all the stuff there. And there's some really cool stuff that recently came out. Um, um, James Intercasso, formerly of of the Tome Show uh, Network and, and currently on um, um, Don't Split the Podcast Network, also featuring the DMs Deep Dive with Mike Shea. Uh, Yay! Uh, recently was part of a, a collaboration <laughs> of people who, who published, uh, was it Xanathar's Lost Notes to Everything Else as sort of a... a, a, a a sister product to Xanathar's Guide to Everything that's sort of like, here's a bunch of other, you know, options and, and class builds and other stuff that, that we've all designed and built and that kind of stuff. So um, there's a lot of cool cool stuff up there. So if you're going to shop over at DMs Guild, click on through us as, uh, uh, for that as well. And we get a little bit and that helps us. You know, I use that to, to pick up uh, products that then I share with the other contributors who, when we do like PDF review episodes and stuff. So anyway, Mike. Yo. You want to talk about your game before you leave? Sure. All right, do it. Uh, so I'm running both Storm King's Thunders games on uh, my Wednesday and Sunday game, and yeah. both of them are now at the spot where they're fighting Imrith. So they're right. The spoilers, by the way, spoilers. So um, <laughs> they both went to Purple Rocks, and they did a bunch of Cthulhuian kind of stuff there, and they faced Slarkrithal, and then they uh, did montage scenes of getting ready and then both headed to the nameless city a desert on the honoruk desert um a city in the honoruk desert uh to face imrith and uh one group is literally halfway through the fight we had to end in the middle of the fight and are going to pick it up and uh tomorrow night as a matter of fact and the other group nearly wiped out and had to teleport three of them plane shifted away leaving one of them to fend for himself and another one got disintegrated. There were five characters in that one. Mm. And one of them was disintegrated and turned to Ash. Uh, One of them stayed there and then three of them plane shifted away. Uh, And they plane shifted to Avernus. And it's the first time they've ever been to Avernus. So So, why go there? (laughs) Yeah, well, because they're they're the Zent group and the uh, red Mm. dragon sorcerer kind of likes Avernus. So it was like, it's the first place to pop into my head. (laughs) So I have, yeah, so uh, the interesting thing, and, and, and for me is, you know, I don't know how many times in my life I actually run really powerful battles against really high-level characters. Uh, in one case, they're level 15, and in the other case, they're level 16. Um, but, man, they're hard. They're hard to run. I think that's, like, <laughs> an and, and part of it is, like, you know, I, I was actually posting on Twitter that like my Wednesday group is facing 200,000 experience points worth of monsters, which is four times the deadly budget. Hmm. And they're doing all right. But do they have the support of the giants? Like the, the no, I, I, don't, I, I hate running NPC yeah, battles. Yeah, no, I, I do too. Okay, so I, 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 they're just fighting on their own. Uh, they're also like way higher level than they are in the book, right? In the book, it's like your 12th level. In this case, uh-huh. they're like 16. Plus, they've been, they've been eating their way through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've spent basically a year thinking about what Imrith's going to be like, and that means Imrith's really hard. And one thing, for example, is she's running a simulacrum, so there's two copies of Imrith, uh. and you don't know, and you don't know which is which. But both of them are cast in ninth level spells, 
So <laughs> you got to worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. So like in the Wednesday group, they're fighting. It was actually this, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about um, instead of building encounters on thinking like what's going on in the story and then sort of letting the encounter wrap itself around the story. Mm-hmm. So one of them is uh, there is a uh, fighter who, uh, uh, Icewind Dale fighter who was, um, uh, is, is like the, you know, the sister of Harshnag, like the adopted sister of Harshnag. And Harshnag, they they knew that Harshnag was imprisoned by Imrith. Harshnag, Harshnag is the... he's a big frost giant. He's like a nice frost giant. Is that remember? the frost? Is that okay? Oh, that's the the one who used to be a member of Force Gray. Yeah, correct. Okay, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't think they fired him. I think he still is. Okay. So um, anyway, he he disappears halfway through the campaign, but my the the group knew that Harshnag was captured. By Imrith. And Imrith is sitting there. She's got him, like, encased in this amber prison, right? Mm-hmm. And she's toying with him and stuff. And I always thought, like, well, you know, what's she going to do? So, and, and I knew, like, I, well, she's going to try this and we'll see how it goes. So they're, like, they, they're scrying on Imrith and they're seeing that Imrith is carving these weird-ass runes into the floor of her of her inner sanctum. And they're, like, we don't know what that's about. And then they burst in the, you know, they go through all this thing. Imrith hits them with a meteor swarm on their way in. 140 points of damage to warm them <laughs> Warm them up a little bit. Uh-huh. And um, they burst in the front door, and there's a portal to hell in the floor. And hanging above it is uh, Harshnag right. in, in the amber thing. And before anybody says a word, she drops it right through and leaves the portal open. And as soon as she did that, Sif, who's the character playing you know, the, the, uh, the, the character that uh, uh, is like the, the adopted sister of, of Harshnag, just runs and jumps into the portal. Right, mm-hmm. and so everyone else is like, "Holy shit, did that just happen?" And and Emirates like, "Well, that's one. <laughs> like, I just I just got rid of one of you, and now I got five left." So uh, at that point, I split the battle into two sections: one that's in hell, where they're fighting a gladiator pit fiend, and uh, one that's in the mortal plane, where they're fighting Emirates. And both battles are happening at the same time. Like initiative orders going around the table, but every time we go to the barbarian, she or not, she's not barbarian. Every time we go to the the, the Icewind Dale fighter, she's fighting the pit fiend along with Harshnag, uh, who broke out of the thing, right? Okay. And then we go back above. But like, talk about splitting the party. Like they're split across worlds, across planes. Yeah, across planes, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's there's. So they they've been fighting Emrith. Emrith herself had these like orbs that protected her with a blade ward and a globe of invulnerability, so she can't get hit with spells and she resists damage. They they did the right thing and immediately got rid of those. And they're starting to fight Emrith. And then right at the end of the game, I said, okay, we're gonna end it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna enter phase two. And then I put the ancient blue dragon miniature on the table and said, turns out there's two Emriths. <laughs> like, oh, oh my god we got another one so my wife all week has been like i think we're all gonna die you know i don't know how we're gonna do that like we burned out of everything like, sure but really it'll be low and they might die but it'll be epic and then there'll be this then there'll so be this emrith run around you can use later yeah so the other group so that that happened last wednesday and then last sunday i was running emrith for the other group and they they ate the meteor swarm as well and they went into the room and this time i'm like well this group's not quite as hard maybe there's only five of them they don't care at all about harshnag so there's none of the harshnag stuff for them and they are facing Imrith, and Imrith, the, the, the two orbs are up. Did they destroy the orbs? I think they properly destroyed the orbs. Or they broke one of them, but not the other. And the problem is one of the warlocks has witch, witch sight, which lets him see everything, and he mm-hmm. saw that there's two Imriths right away, which meant both Imriths attacked right away, because why wait? Right. And 
they're ju- they just got beaten like they you know they're dropping over and over again and one then one of them gets disintegrated and then they teleport to Avernus. i was like man you know so it's funny that they also went to Avernus, but for a totally different reason yeah. <laughs> so in their case i think what i'm going to do is that there's going to be a council in Avernus of a bunch of devils that they've dealt with over the campaign they're gonna like teleport to this posh place and the guys are like well you're in a real stitch, but we were really hoping you were going to beat her, and we're going to help you beat her, but you're going to have to swear yourselves to us. You're going to have to literally make deals with the devil, mm. and then we'll, we'll we'll give you some healing, and we'll resurrect your disintegrated friend, and then you seriously owe us, and then we'll send you right back in. And we'll, we'll do it fast enough that you can basically go right back in exactly at the point when you left, so she doesn't heal mm-hmm. and fix her simulator and rebuild all her stuff, and then you have to fight her all over again. Yeah, which... I, I, which could also lead to some interesting sort of manipulations and things, right? Like, I mean, what's the future story out of that, even if you beat yeah, Im- sure Imrith, you I know? Mean, the, the, this is the interim, so they're, they're selling themselves to everybody. You know, like, I actually had sure. Imrith say to them, hey, if you promise to go kill Klaus, you and I could be friends. Right. You know, and Klaus this old, crusty guy. He's not a good, you know, he's no good. Sure. Join me. I'm, I'm the future. Right? And they're like, no. And then she's like, okay, I'll meteor swarm you instead. Yeah. But, but, I mean, like, these devils, what they're doing, what they're offering, this is not small this is not you know we're gonna we're gonna make you all fresh and resurrect some people and send you back in the blink of an eye uh you know that that's not minor that's some pretty serious uh yeah it's it's the equivalent of a witch right they're gonna you know getting the disintegrated guy back is going to be the equivalent of a witch Mm -hmm. and um and yeah if they do so i I think they've they've had this like secondary uh zinterim agent named white feather and uh i'm thinking that for fun, White Feather could also be a devil. Mm-hmm. You know, like it turns out the whole time he's also been a devil. So they already have a couple devils they've dealt with, at least two, and maybe three. Well, so and, there could and be four the, devils, right? The four devils are like now, So my my thought is that the devils are actually Tiamat worshippers who are pissed that Imrith didn't stop Tiam didn't didn't help Tiamat rise, mm-hmm. and that they want her dead as revenge. Like mm-hmm. our our mother wants her dead as revenge, but. In order, you know, but you're still, and, and I don't know exactly what price their characters are going to have to pay in order to get that. And I could leave it open that, like, you're going to have to pay something, but it's a blank deck. Well, and I could, t- I could kind of see, like, so, so the Zinterim has a history in the realms of being um, the the minion horde of of great evil creatures, like like sure. like Bane or or Bane's yeah. son Yaktuv Zavim at one point and whatever, yeah. like. I could totally see that, like, ever since Bane sort of be- fell out of prominence with the Zins, um, that, like, they've been playing the long game and this is their sort of final manipulation to to get, you know, like, they're going to take over the Zins. Like, the Zins will totally still exist, but, but now you're, whether you know it or not, if you're a member of the Zins, you're actually working for this cadre of devils that have been manipulating the, you this whole time sort of thing. Right. And that's what they want, you know. Yeah, we get rid of we get rid of Imrith, great. But you know, now we've also got these human agents, you know, this massive network of yeah. human agents. You work, you work for us now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, along with the healing, is a glyph that's etched into their forehead that disappears, but is always there. Right. <laughs> that says you're bound to us. And so, the, and so now that now they, you know, they use the party to to take over the Zent. Yeah, that's their long game. Yeah, that can be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. There's one. I think you remember the the character I mentioned who discovered that uh, the head of Daggerford was a succubus mm-hmm. when she tried to charm him, mm-hmm. and the charm failed. But he's like, "Well, that's not a deal breaker, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm still, you know, you don't need to charm me. I'm on your side anyway." 
So he'll he'll tell he's the one that teleported him to Avernus. So he'll be first in line. That's like, yeah, guys, we should do this. You know, <laughs> sounds like a great deal. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the details. So you're <laughs> wrapping up two sessions of Storm yeah. King's Thunder within like a week or two, right? Literally, yeah, literally within within a few days of one another. And, yeah, that, and then I then I imagine you you take off like a, a couple of weeks for the holidays, and then you start back uh, up something yeah, else. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I and one I think in my home game we're gonna do like uh, home 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 game stuff. I think I'm gonna take a step back from the published adventures for for a few weeks and homebrew some stuff. And then some homebrew stuff. Are you, and gonna then, try, are you gonna try other games, other systems, or are you thinking? No, no, we'll still do five E. But I think we're just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, I want to try. I want to try some other stuff. Just other non, you know, non published D and D adventure stuff. Right. Some some homebrew ideas. But yeah, still five E. And then you'll mostly. Move over... I, I want to do like a separate lead into Tomb of Annihilation. Okay. So I'm gonna do some other stuff that gets him to roughly level four or five, and then send him into Tomb of Annihilation. Okay. So so you're still looking to do Tomb? Are you doing Tomb? Yeah, with the, and, the and group the too? other group, my, my my Sunday group, I'm going to keep. I'm, I'm just gonna go straight into Tomb of Tomb of Annihilation. Right. So either so way, I'm you're looking probably. to do Tomb of Annihilation next, yes. but you're gonna do a few and, levels and, of, of and homework you guys to get into. Me out with your like, this is gonna be a huge long adventure because I just ran a 13 month, 14 month adventure, and I I don't want to do that. Right. I want it to be like you know six months. Well, and uh, yeah, <laughs> but I run, I run weekly three-hour games. So I could probably I don't know. We'll see. And you and you I just, meet, I, you you know, meet I'll, weekly I'll, too. I'll, what's that? You meet every week too. Yeah, every week for three hours. Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping to get through it faster. I'm going to try to buy into Mike Merles's like level them every four hours. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna level them up really quick early, right. and then and then I I do. Like I want to enjoy the adventure, so I really need, mm -hmm. you know, the problem is I need to somehow take a week off and just read that adventure cover to cover. Well, and so and my take my initial thought is that there is a lot of really cool exploration you can do in the yeah. jungle and in the city and all of that uh, that adds relatively little to the larger story. So yeah. while that stuff is really cool, like you could you could lay the clues in a lot heavier in terms of where to yeah. go and how to get there. And, and cut a lot of the adventure out that way. Now, I mean, you're missing out on some cool stuff, but you still get the the bulk of the the neat dungeon and the yeah. the city that the dungeon is under, and all the cool stuff that that does. Right. So yeah, I mean, the hard the hard part is like you know in in um uh in my conversation with Merle's that he he kind of said like don't expect yeah Teos I think asked a question uh, about what the you know. The, are we worried that the publication schedule for adventures is putting everybody behind that essentially there's too many published adventures. We can't run them all. And, um, and, and Merle said, don't just, you know, don't look at the past as an indicator of the future. You know, he didn't get any more detail than that. But my, my question is like, all the, what if all of a sudden we hit a drought of adventures? Like I'm used to running like one every six months to a yeah. year. And then what if there's a drought? You know, and then I'm like, Oh, I was waiting for the next one. And there I mean, isn't one. Honestly, just stretch this out. Yeah. Honestly, like, Two adventures a year does not like every six months a new adventure seems fine in terms of like the publication schedule. I can't run them that fast. It takes me a year and a half to run one of them or whatever, and then I mash them yeah. up and do two at once like I am now or whatever. Right. But but I don't. I also don't like. I don't feel like I need to run them all. You know? Yeah, I don't like, either. And 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 I guess like one. I, I, I yeah. The problem is I just don't know. Like we don't know what they're gonna do. And and when you know when um. Uh, what's the the awning portal? Tales of the awning portal came out. Mm -hmm. Like that felt like a vacation to me. You know, I was like, oh, thank God, I can yeah. take a break. Well, and that and, might and, be a way to do it too. To so I don't know if I, yeah. The problem is, 
I, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to be the idea guy for how they release adventures. I have to figure out how I'm going to be running my campaigns over the next few years based on a production schedule I don't see. Right. <laughs> right? So I don't know how long I'm going to run. Well, the next thing I want to run is Strahd, and, and so that'll take me another year yeah. and a half. So, so I'm, I'm good, you know. And so so I think, you know, like if, 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 if Tomb takes me as long as Strahd, on the assumption that I like Tomb, that I like mm-hmm. running it, and if Tomb takes me about as long as Strahd, maybe a little shorter, because I think I went real high level with Strahd, too. Characters were 12th, 13th, 14th level. So I really want to get it to, like, a, you know, 10th. Right. <laughs> I'd really love to have it done in 10, in 10 levels. So we'll see. But, yeah, that's, 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 where, that's what my future looks like. But, yeah, it's really weird running two Storm King's Thunder campaigns that have been, I think, literally 14 months. Mm-hmm. I forget when... I forget when that storm when i started storm kings but it's been over a year and they're both ending like within a few days of each other that kind of that's kind of cool though yeah. it is and and yeah and they went in yeah. very they they followed very different paths to get there too yeah they did very yeah. different yeah, yeah. you know uh, uh, regarding tomb of annihilation so i i wasn't trying to scare you what i was saying was the way that they lay everything out and and to really get that flavor and to really make it the campaign i would want it to be it would take me a long time. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and I'm, but I'm you, but you can. It it is quite modular because the way that they do different things in it, yeah. and you can easily cut things out, choose to focus on certain things and not others, and do it in a much shorter time for yeah. sure. It's yeah. just not my inclination. My inclination is I want all this really cool stuff in there, or right. at least the opportunity for all that really cool stuff to happen and for the players to be exposed to it. Um, and so it would end up being a very long campaign for me, for my particular group. Now, some groups also go through things differently, right? My group as a not particularly experienced group, they tend to take longer doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm hoping to kind of look, I, you know, I, I remember, I mean, having, having, you know, skimmed, skimmed it already that there's like lots and lots of hooks in Nyanzaru. Yeah, and and, and, and in the jungle itself, yeah. Yeah, and I and I kind of want to say like, okay, well, which three of these do I like the most? Right. <laughs> like, I'm not right. going to run yeah. all. Right. Yeah. Say, like, no, that's totally doable. Yeah. You could totally do it. That you know, way. It, but, yeah. but but it's, yeah. it's it's a similar problem that Storm King's Thunder has in that like you're given all of these giant layers to explore, and they're all kind of cool, and I kind of want to explore them all, but the adventure only takes you through one of them. Uh, before it moves on to the next thing, right? Well, and, yeah, I think I think that. Uh, so just reading it, Tomb feels more like Strahd when it comes to like the number and the depth of the locations that are in it, where uh, where Storm King's Thunder had that 168 location chapter four, where like both my groups just got completely lost in those chapters, and it wasn't bad. It was just like there's so much to do, right? And I remember like walking out, and and one of the guys was like. I haven't. I have no effing idea what we're doing. <laughs> there are giants on the cover of this book, but we're dealing with Daggerford, you know. And he's like, I, I think he like he had he had he kind of knew how the adventure was supposed to go. And he's like, I, you know, what the hell is going on? And and he was like, I'm having fun. He goes, I, I like it, and it's fun, and I like it session session. But this doesn't feel like an adventure, you know. This is this is a campaign. Yeah, this is a. You know, right. this is this is a totally open campaign where you get, and I'm like, you know, yeah. So yeah. I, you know, so I, it's, a, it's a little that, bit like that. Yeah, I'm hoping that. Well, so I I I definitely want to tap into what Jeff was talking about with, um, uh, you know, making sure that it's still fun to do the exploration part. I don't want to lose this idea of a fun hex crawl, you know, 
as, as long as it's fun. Just like when Out of the Abyss came out, I, I wanted to do sort of the resource, you know, the resource management in the early part of Out of the Abyss where you're like, you know, how the hell are we going to find water? You know, right. where, oh, my God, I got a kobold's rusty sword. This is right. awesome. You know, and, and I, I just, you know, I want to do that until it's fun. And I want to do the hex crawl until it's fun. All right, I want to do the hex crawl while it's fun and then stop when it's not and say, okay, hey, you just got to the city. Right. You, know, you found a portal or a pterodactyl picks you up and drags you over there. I don't <laughs> know. So I, I, I need to kind of figure that. But, yeah, I really, you know, again, I don't know what is coming out next from Watsi, so I don't know, should mm. I, you know, and should I be prepared to do something new in the spring? Or is it going to be next, you know, next winter? And I've got you know, 10 months to run a campaign and not worry that something new is going to come out that I'm going to be really well, excited Well, now, so, so I th there was a recent con where they had talked about sort of the code names that they have lined up coming up in the future. Um, so we know there are code-named products. What, yeah. You know, speculations about what they are and, and what have you. So, I mean, I would expect something... Something will, I mean, I know will be announced. We, we know they're coming out with products. I just don't know. Is it, you know, are, are they adventures? And if they're adventures, are they Yawning Portal style adventures? Or are they Storm King Thunder kind of adventures? Right. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway, I'm, you know, I think my plan right now is finish, you know, give him a good fight against Emirith, have him beat Emirith because they deserve it after this long. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, and then start digging into uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. Very good. Well, and I know you're running low on time and we're knocking yep. on the doors of an hour. Uh, so, so let's go ahead and call it quits for tonight and everybody say, say good night. Good night. Hey. Good day. Good afternoon. Good morning. Depends on when you're listening to this. <laughs> I feel like we're in the Truman show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Bye guys. <laughs>